Anxiety Labradoodles, welcome to episode three of the Anxiety Lab. Am I ever going to call you Anxiety Labradoodle again? Maybe. Let's just say maybe. Uh, thanks again for the nice reviews some of you have left on uh, Apple Podcasts. I, I read all of them and I, it means a lot to know that it's landing on some of you. So, so I just want to say that I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do that. This episode, you'll notice, is a little bit shorter. That's that's because my guest, Ari Goldfield, had to leave early, which actually wound up being a good thing because uh, he was a bit of a scumbag. No, it, it was it was actually a good thing because we, we cover a lot of big ideas and I, I think there's so much to chew on. I, I hope you get even a fraction of the value that I got from, from talking to Ari. Um, we get into some, I guess, big themes such as you know, is it possible that our sadness and depression contain deeper messages about life? And what are those messages? You know, so often in Buddhism, we hear someone talk about this, this notion of awakening through suffering. Well, what the hell does that actually mean? So, so it's not exactly casual listening, uh, which I guess is my goal for this podcast. Uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there already. It's 2021. Uh, I think three years ago, it was probably too late to put out a podcast uh, at least for nobody like me. Michelle Obama can do it whenever she wants to. She's going to be fine. Michelle, uh, I know you're listening. First off, it's heartwarming to know you also suffer from anxiety. And two, just congratulations on every level. So my, my point is, if I'm going to try to do a podcast now, I, I want to at least attempt to provide specific value. So I, I hope you enjoy this episode. For me, there was a lot to reflect on. Uh, I, I'd really love to hear your reactions, uh, the anxiety lab at gmail.com. Uh, reactions, comments, whatever, uh, or you could find my Instagram in the episode notes. So Ari Goldfield, who you will hear is, in my opinion, absolutely brilliant. He is a Buddhist teacher with an extensive background in Buddhist philosophy and meditation. He's also well-versed in the Western modality of counseling psychology, and, and he just naturally weaves all of his knowledge into the conversation. Uh, I thought he was incredibly insightful. So here it is. Uh, you will here that we dive right in. Uh, please enjoy this episode with Ari Goldfield. Here we go. Ari, hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good morning to you. I guess the big theme for me lately is this idea of sadness, this heavy sadness that I think when the world was kind of normal, the, the activities of the day, my routine anxiety would kind of maybe keep this feeling at bay. And now I'm encountering a sadness and a mm. lowness as a result of, you know, losing maybe my career or what I thought I, what I thought mm. was a career as a, as a comedian, um, just my daily pleasures and social life and enough there to keep me kind of looking forward to something. And so now I'm encountering this low and I, I wanted to kind of explore this idea of a low as, as a teacher you know, and where that can, you know, where there's wisdom available in that and, and then potentially also a pitfall for maybe wallowing too much in the low. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, someone like me, I will maybe continue to suffer as a result of feeling as though 
I need to kind of get lower and lower in order to obtain mm. enlightenment. And that could be its own trap. So <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm just setting the table there for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, uh, you got me right away, man. I mean, I, I feel for you. I'm with you. And uh, what you're going through is hard and, and it's a lot of dislocation mm. and um, an upending of your world. And so it's totally understandable that you would feel that the way that you're feeling. I think that's the first thing is just really to, to do our best with not being judgmental of ourselves. Um, right. Particularly in this situation when it's so difficult. And so we want to just be able to approach our experience free of like prejudgment or the sort of, you know, self-criticism, right? Yeah. And self and self doubt. Yeah. Because I mean, as this, I think brilliant teaching that, you know, we're about to get into, I mean, it, it, it mentions maybe one of the component of relating to yourself is to not add that other layer of this is my fault Right. Or this is a result of, right. you know, yeah, some sense of responsibility. Uh, right. and, and, and that maybe hardens or, in John Wellwood's words, congeals the feelings that are, yeah. you know, inherently very fluid. Fear, right. pain, anger. These are very fluid energies that can be worked with. And then it's the stories that solidify them. So that's, I guess, a little bit of a preview for. I love this metaphor at the end of being frozen, because that's really the key, like you think of it in those terms like when when we feel stuck or or rigid or frozen um then what melts that is warmth mm. so what melts external frozenness is warmth internally also just being warm with ourselves kind gentle with with our feeling experience whatever it is Right. And that and that's such a subtle, you know, it's sometimes hard to put into words. It's not necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, it's not always an internal dialogue of I'm great, I'm, I love myself. It, it's more of like a subtle just attitude that you have internally. It, it's almost so subtle that a lot of people don't even know it's available. Absolutely. And I think it's it's a very individual thing. So some people, for some people, the phrase like I love myself really resonates. Uh, but for others, it doesn't, and that's fine. So I think you're right. What we're aiming for towards ourselves is like to treat ourselves like we are our own dear friend. Mm. Like you're going to visit a friend who you who you really care about, who's a great friend, and maybe they're sick in the hospital, right? So you go in and you just want to be with them. Yeah. Right? And so just this kind of attitude towards ourselves like that of care. Right. Uh, and it and it's such a base layer that precedes any type of interaction or engagement. It's like it's it's just you've you've set the table with warmth. That's right. Before you're that's even right. evaluating, you know, whatever for me it's it's an inventory on where I'm at right now versus where my friends are at and you know, right. I'm a childless struggling comedian, all that shit. Uh before you even enter that 
because I, you know sometimes I can kind of get to this place where I'm like, no, no, this is these are all the things you did well, and these are all the reasons you should be proud of yourself. But and and as you said, that there's obviously room for that, and there could be tremendous healing from that stuff. But but just before that even comes, this overall just temperature of kindness. Right. Absolutely. Because it's it's and it's connected with an understanding that uh, it's really this internal journey that is our biggest challenge mm. in life. And, and, you know, if we make it our, our priority has the opportunity to provide us with the most meaning and the most joy. So it's like on our, on our, on our journey, we get blown around mm. like Odysseus in the Odyssey. You just, the ship just gets blown all over the place. <laughs> And so it's about like, how can we be with whatever the circumstances are internally uh, as they come up? All the emotions of, of joy and disappointment and despair and elation and that arise due to different circumstances. And the difficult thing is they're so hard to control and we don't control the external situation. We don't control this virus. Right? We don't control when we're going to be able to, to go out again and our kids go back to school and when we're going to be able to work. But one thing we can do is offer ourselves internally a gentle, accepting atmosphere for our emotions to exist. Right. And then there could even be, could we even look at these circumstances with a little bit of, I mean, maybe excitement's the wrong word, because I don't want to, you know, belittle what 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 people are going through, but but just the fact that we can't control that external, so that we have. To, I mean, it is the opportunity to cultivate the internal. You know, maybe there's I, a way to look at that as as a positive. I I agree with you. I mean, we can draw inspiration. We're we're facing the challenge of a lifetime here, just like previous generations faced war and being refugees and depression, uh, economic depression, and all kinds of things. So this is like, it, it is a chance to be inspired. Like I, I feel, I've felt in quarantine inspired by Anne Frank, inspired by the stories of the Jews who hid out in World War II, um, inspired by that generation um, of, of people who, who had to go through the difficulties and the fear of being bombed. I mean, I'm sure you have things in, in your background. We can all find uh, examples of, of people and this, we can, we can look at this as our challenge. Right. So, so if we're not in circumstances that test our patience, then our patience never gets the chance to evolve. That's right. And we didn't choose to be here, and and uh, we wouldn't wish this on anybody, right? <laughs> but as long as we're here, and this is the part that life has given us, let's just try to love ourselves and each other, and and make it as easy as we can, and and not not pile on ourselves with comparing and you know thinking of where we should be or anything like that. So let's uh, dive in. I, I wanted to get into this specifically with you, uh, this idea of there being value in the low, as we've already kind mm -hmm. of gotten into. Mm -hmm. 
And and you knew John Wellwood personally. I, I'd love to hear more about that sometime. Uh, but this this is from Towards a Psychology of Awakening by John Wellwood. This has been a very impactful book for me, and I would highly recommend it. While there is certainly a somatic component of depression that can be usefully addressed through drugs, exercise, and lifestyle changes, the focus of simply getting rid of depression prevents us from recognizing it as a potential teacher that can convey an important message about our relationship with ourselves, the world, or life as a whole. So again, that, that's speaking to this idea of wisdom being available in the sadness. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, it's totally understandable that when we're suffering, we want to get rid of the suffering, right? So depression has symptoms that are really difficult to bear. And I think it's important to, to take that seriously. So we can do things to, to help with that. Uh, exercise, staying in relationships, meditating, um, how we eat. You know, these are things that can, that can help a lot. And sometimes medication as a, as a bridge is also helpful. I, I think it's important, particularly sometimes for spiritual practitioners, to remember that the Buddha actually took medicine and he said, the reason why I'm taking medicine when I'm sick is I want to show that it's okay. Because mm. he had this idea that there's going to be all these super overachieving types coming along who are going to think I'm bad or there's something wrong with me if I have to take medication, including psych uh, psychopharmaceuticals, right? So I think right. it's, you know, all that is fine, and if you're doing it under professional guidance and watching its effects on you and making sure that it's benefiting you more than it's hurting, you know, mm. I, I, I think nothing precludes that. Now, that much being said, what John says is, you know, if we focus too much on the symptoms, we get into this sort of fight with our symptoms, and we start to regard part of our experience as our own enemy. And that's when it, that's, that becomes more problematic because it just makes one more thing for us to struggle with. So how do we avoid, how do we sort of deal with that is, as he's talking about, try to go deeper down beneath the symptoms and say, okay, these symptoms are giving me a message. There's something deeper here. Uh, and let me explore what it is and see if I can open to it and learn from it. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's where I'm at. And that's where this has been so resonant for me is I want to explore. I want to try to uncover whatever I can with regards to this message that's available in the low. Because, uh, you know, so mm -hmm. often in Buddhism, we hear people refer to suffering as being some kind of window to insight. And and what does that mean? And And he gets into it. He talks about suffering revealing the three marks of existence, which are impermanence, non-self, and pain. And all of these right. three point to the fundamental quality of emptiness. So uh, impermanence, uh, I'll just take a stab at these and uh, feel free to correct me. Impermanence yeah, means, sure. uh, I guess this is the most obvious one, uh, nothing lasts, all things, achievements, possessions, 
everything goes away. We can't hold on to anything. Everything yeah. uh, dies a dramatic word, but it's not totally untrue. Uh, non-self is, it's just, well, not just, uh, it, it's this, this feeling that we have that we're a separate self is an illusion. Uh, we're, we're actually a lot more integrated with the whole of reality than, than what appears. And, and so any image of ourselves or version of ourselves that we hold on to as, as definitively who we are is a mental construct. Not only that, but the very sense of I itself is a construct. Uh, and this is where I hit my edge of understanding of non-self. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I think that it's it's important to value one's own experience because there are, there are lots of different teachings and the teachings are profound. But even the Buddha said, every teaching is for a specific person at a specific time. Mm. So it's important for us to really honor and respect the meaning of that and look at our own experience. In the case of sadness, then once we've sort of set the table, as you said, with warmth and kindness, we can invite the sadness in for a discussion and just was for some dialogue and say, hey, what am I, what's really bothering me? Mm -hmm. And try to understand from, just to listen to ourselves because we are such, profound beings uh, and the depths of our feeling, the depths of our experience, the depths of our own personal wisdom are vast. Mm. It's just a matter of taking the time to really listen. So what is, so, so what is, what am I feeling really sad and down about? And and to be able to, for the sadness to be able to express itself in an in a environment where it really feels heard is in and of itself transformational. Wow. Uh, I will try to hold on to that. That, that is beautifully said. Uh, thank you. So I'm glad you spoke to how personal all of this is uh, because I'm, I'm interested in trying to map these teachings to real life. I know it's different for everyone, uh, but I'll talk about myself here. Part of my sadness recently was this loss of identity as a comedian. I, I haven't done mm -hmm. much since the pandemic. So, you know, I think previously a big part of why I felt good and not sad was, was just in this belief of I, I'm this funny, special person. I, I think that identity was really propping me up. I'd, I'd go home from a successful show and, and, and get high on myself. I don't know how else to put it. And like, I'm the man, I'm going places. And, and that's one of the reasons the pandemic brought on sadness. Mm -hmm. You know, I am now without this identity. So, so for me, where can wisdom emerge from this? Uh, and looking, looking at it closer, it's like, okay, well, that identity I thought I had never existed to begin with. It was mm -hmm, never real. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shows were real, the laughs were real, but this way of of kind of thinking of myself, you know, as having this definitive quality of awesomeness, that, that was never real. It was just this inner narrative that helped me avoid more vulnerable parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And and now that the identity's gone, I, I have to face this stuff. And and 
maybe there's this opportunity to establish a more fluid sense of mm-hmm. who I am. And, and perhaps that's the, a little bit of that wisdom of non-self potentially emerging, right? That's right. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's important because a lot of times people are depressed at the at one, one root, not, not the only one, one root of depression is a deep belief that I am not important. I am not, I, I, I don't matter. And if that's the case, then hearing a teaching like there's no self um, kind of really fits in with that. And it can do, yeah. the, it, you know, that, that, that belief, which in a lot of people is some people, sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's not, but we just have to be careful of what John also talks about spiritual bypassing is when your unconscious, uh, when your unconscious material co-ops a, a spiritual teaching in its own defense. Yeah, so, I love that idea, and that'll. I actually have that earmarked as a separate episode, which which isn't to say it, it's. It, I mean, it's it's absolutely critical to to bring that up now. Um, but I'm I'm really just trying to whet your appetite to come back on and talk about and, and give spiritual bypassing its due. With just with specific selflessness, because I want I, I want to answer your question. It is a, it's a very important question, and the loss of identity, right? So, I think two things. One is allow yourself to grieve your loss of identity. You've suffered a loss, yes. a loss of a dear one. And so every culture ha- traditionally has its own rituals for grief that I think get overlooked by us. We don't spend enough time on it. But really to honor those feelings when they come up and just let yourself feel the sadness, not be afraid of it, right? But just yeah. really let yourself feel it. Right. Because what happens when you do that is you naturally discover this part of you that isn't identified with what you've lost. Mm. It's the part of you that's holding that. It's the part of you that is holding your experience with love and understanding. Right. And that's, yeah, that's the Buddha nature. You know, I mean, that is, uh, that's what in the treatise on the Buddha nature is described as the genuine self, because it's beyond being self or no self, right? It's beyond right. both. Right. Because I mean, it's funny because you just took me to school in a major way there. Cause I'm, I'm, I mean, that's so profound. I I'm really gonna, I'm, I'm already excited for when I get to listen to you say that again, when I'm listening to this episode afterwards, but, um, because for me, yeah, there's so much momentum in the direction of, okay, well, let's nail this insight of non-self as it relates to me. Let's just really, um, use this loss of identity to eventually feel even better than I did before. And Mm -hmm. then still maybe creating that division and, um, I, I guess, yeah, as, as you said, it, it's still being at, at the mercy of this, I guess, division between or this resistance to maybe a more open state of mind that encompasses the sadness. Was that anything? Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I think it's it bears exploration. You know, I don't really, I, I always hesitate to, to form opinions um, too quickly, but 
it, it bears expiration and perhaps like there's a part of you as with many of us that finds it difficult to tolerate unless we are like going to end up on top somehow. Right. Like, yeah, just to kind of be with reality without right, this, right. without a need to, okay, I'm going to be even happier than before. Like just to yeah, be able yeah. to stop pushing on ourselves. Cause yeah, we watch too many movies where, okay, well this pain is there just to make my story even more moving. And it'll like the the more pain I'm in, the greater the eventual triumph. And I'm that's kind of a dialogue I've been having lately. Mm-hmm. And that's totally maybe also an escape from the pain, and and different than what you're advocating, which is just turning towards it with tenderness. That's yeah, and I think that can take us to a place where we discover the depths of our ability to be kind and gentle with ourselves. Mm. and with others really are are fathomless and we could we could just keep finding deeper and deeper ability to hold our experience which in the end i mean in the end we're all going to face this thing that we call death right and who knows what our mental state is going to be at that point Right. But what we can work on is just our ability to hold it and be like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. So we're, we've already kind of covered this third mark of existence, which I don't think I mentioned before, uh, which is pain. And mm-hmm. all three of these marks of existence, once again, impermanence, non-self and pain point to John Wellwood mentions point to this fundamental truth of emptiness uh, emptiness is yeah. a term that we hear a lot in the vicinity of Buddhism. And he defines it as emptiness is a term that points to the ungraspable, unfathomable nature of everything. Nothing can be grasped as a solid object that will provide enduring, unshakable meaning, satisfaction, or security. And, th- and then he gets into this idea, and, and this is what we've already, what you've already uh, articulated beautifully, but I, I just wanted to hit this passage because I, I, I love it so much. Depression starts creeping up on us the moment we imagine there's something wrong with us because we cannot keep the pain at bay, because we feel vulnerable or sad, because we cannot achieve total fulfillment through any other finite worldly arrangement, or because we sense the hollowness of our self-created identity. Mm -hmm. If we were to look more deeply into any of these experiences, it could help us awaken to the essential openness of our nature, which is the only real source of happiness and joy. But depression takes a different route, blaming and recriminating when we cannot control reality. And this inevitably shuts down our capacity to respond and feel grateful for the beauty of life just as it is. Uh, There's a lot there, uh, so feel free to, if you're listening, hit that negative 15-second button a few more times and take that in again. Yeah, well, I think emptiness is... Another one of these, which really bears close examination because it's such a profound topic. It can be approached from many different perspectives. But what I find really helpful is to think of, well, empty of what? Mm. Right? Empty of what? And from the perspective that feels most valuable to me at this point in my life, it's emptiness in the sense of like no gap 
between ourselves and our own experience so that we're not resisting anything. Uh, We're not pushing it away. We're not solidifying it like John describes in the sense of objectifying it into turning into something that we either have to have or have to avoid. But it's so, so when we're in emptiness, meaning no gap, then it's like there's this flow of, emotional experience, sensual experience, whatever it is, with our awareness having that experience. And it's like waves on an ocean. And what happens at that point when we can get glimpses of that, and it's never more than a glimpse at a time, but when we can get glimpses of that, then we really have confidence. We can feel how there's no threat There's really nothing to be afraid of because whatever it is that's happening, it's an event in my experience and I can open to it and find a place where the experience and me as the the experiencer are not different from each other. It's just a flow. So what you're saying is when we... (laughs) I, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, uh-huh. I think what you know what, what we're saying is, I mean, not only a threat but a story. I think anytime we try to package something, we're already one layer. We're separating ourselves from it. Yeah, I, I, I said right? threat, like a danger. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But that would apply to any any story too. Even a positive one is separation. You know, which is like, I am good, or that was great, or. I think it depends. I, 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 again, like I, I hesitate to make generalizations because I think there's a way that we relate with our story that uh, really matters. So when we're able, and I think of like the example, the ideal of this is Maya Angelou, who wrote, you know, title of her autobiography was Wouldn't Trade Nothing for My Story Now. Uh. Right. So, or if you look at the, like in, in the Tibetan tradition, like the great yogis like Milarepa, they told their story. They had a story and their stories have inspired people for generations. And there's a way we can draw inspiration from our own story, right? Just having a story isn't, isn't bad. And I think it's okay to feel all the, I think I feel proud about things I've done. I feel regret about other things that I've done that I've hurt people. I mean, I'm, I, I feel lucky that I have a story that lets me feel a lot of different things about my life. Right. So it's not about having stories or not having stories. It's how we relate. And perhaps this, this notion of dropping our stories you know, would be better expressed as something like, well, don't hold on too tightly to your stories. You know, don't, don't ignore them because that, that's... You know, that, that's not the middle way either. If your story helps you to like connect with your experience, like if you go to a movie or you, you read a book and you have this powerful experience, you're like, that was good, you know, yeah. because, because we're all, it, we, it helps us to experience our aliveness. So if something yeah, we feel yeah. is like taking us out of aliveness into a place where we feel powerless, where we feel rage where we feel an inability to move forward, you know, then that, then we look at that. But if a story, if our story is helping us to be 
inspired about ourselves, to feel our experiences, to make us curious about other people's stories. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so much just the richness of, of being alive and embracing all of Absolutely. this this weird temporary <laughs> dance that we're in. You know, we, we can look at it as weird and temporary, but once we've done that, we could fully engage and, you know, enjoy memories. And um, I, I think, though, for me, and I, this is where I kind of am, am cautious about my own experience with stories, because so many of my stories were defense mechanisms and... Uh-huh. I think they caused suffering. Again, I talked about you know the story of I'm special. I'm going places. Uh-huh. I'm this is gross to say, but I, I'm better than other people. I'm smarter than other people. You know, those are the stories that represent a a delusion and for me an addiction. You know, I, I needed to feel good. I needed to and and I mean for me it's about not demonizing. You know, for a while I was beating myself up for having these stories. Oh, you narcissist. But no, no, I'm opening up now. And, you know, these are defenses to pain. And th- these are things I needed to survive. So they served a purpose. And I'm I'm okay with that. But that element of telling myself who I am, you know, has caused pain. Because when the bottom falls out and I am more in touch with the fluid nature of who I am, I, I am also flawed. I am in pain. I am very ordinary, below average in a lot of ways, you know, maybe above average in some. Who knows? Who knows? I'm I'm a human being like everyone else and um everyone has stories and reasons they think they're they're unique. And and so that always causes me pain is is this lesson of ordinariness, which I'm starting to maybe embrace more nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I hear you. I totally hear you. And I think it's like fundamentally do we believe we're acceptable no matter what? So if we don't, if we sort of accept ourselves only conditionally, we have to be smart. We have to be the best. We have to be rich. You know, we have to be this and that. But if we can offer ourselves a more unconditional acceptance, well, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. We're always in need of love and understanding and companionship, whether from ourselves and others, right? So does that, I I, I think I'm getting what you're saying about the stories. And yeah, I mean, we want to look for the stories that are based on a conditional kind of acceptance of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, again, it's, it's such an automatic dynamic. And then as soon as I uncover a conditional sense of things, I'll I'll demonize myself for that, but that's conditional too. It's like, well, I'm only good if I'm not attached to stories of grandiosity, and then right. it, it, it never ends. Right, um, right. I mean, it just shows the power. You know, a lot of this happen when happens when we're very young. We get this idea yeah. that we're acceptable for certain conditions, and that's a hard habit to break. So we got to go so, easy on yeah. ourselves with that one too. Yeah, and I've, I've said this before. I don't think I could say this enough times. You know, the, the mechanism of self-flagellation is so unrelenting and automatic and repetitive that the antidote of kindness and compassion has to also feel repetitive and unrelenting and at times boring as hell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like eating. You know, so we yeah, just you got to yeah. eat three times a day. Right. Another thing is, though, sometimes I just say on this point of the self-flagellation is it's kind of like a virus in that when our resistance is down, when we're tired, when we're not feeling well, that's when it really gets can get powerful. I mean, that's what I notice in myself. And, you know, I've sat with a lot of people who have had that experience, too. 
So when that happens, when we really feel it strongly, then sometimes the thing that, that I find helpful is just to get out of the way of it. Just like you don't want to stand in front of a freight train. So you just kind of watch it and look how natural and easy it is for me to call myself a jerk and a low life and a, you know all these different names, right? And, just and just the ways, watch the flow of right. that. And the ways that it happens you know, not verbally, because, you know, I, I could be vigilant looking for times I'm literally calling myself an idiot in my brain. But again, as we talked about earlier in this episode, it, it's not just the words. It's just this overall temperature right. that I have towards right. myself. It's always belligerent. Yeah. It's always at odds with itself. It, it's just point. It's water that I'm swimming in. Great and and point. that, you know, I, I think, yeah, thank you. That was uh, one of the big insights I had at, at the Insight Meditation Center. Uh, last year of, of, well, it's not just thoughts aren't just linear words being said, like the way that you hear a voiceover on a TV show. It, it's so much, there could be so many more subtleties and just atmospheric things. And those can be noticed too. Absolutely. They, they should be noticed. That's a great point. So for me personally, I, I have, I, I guess I have been feeling lower than ever. It, it's oh. just the mundane reality. Every, I mean, you know, I'm not, hanging my hat on the, the next stand-up show, the next thing. And, and to be honest, comedy has kept going. People are doing comedy shows on Zoom and other things. And obviously social media exists. That's never slowed down. Um, so, And I've kind of stopped myself from doing that stuff because I'm interested in this loss of identity. Now, at what point does that become dangerous? At what point am I, you know, Asking important questions, examining, you know, deeper aspects of myself, getting in touch with pain. And at what point does that cross over into just wallowing and, and continuing to stay in, in bad mental states? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's definitely something to track. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. And I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, that's the that's the benefit of having a, a therapeutic relationship with some with somebody is that you can track that in a in a relational contact with somebody who's focused on you, right? Yeah. And and I think, uh, I mean, especially during this time, I mean, we all need the support as much support as we can get. So I highly recommend, um, you know, therapeutic psychotherapeutic relationships to people just to have that ongoing check, like, Hey, how am I doing? You know, right. Now, that, that much being said, uh, I think something to check, like in terms with wallowing, like this idea of wallowing is, or, or like not wallowing, but also just continuing to keep myself in circumstances that are maybe less than ideal for what I think I want in life or, you know, staying in a bed mm-hmm. just, just to maybe will that sort of elevation of consciousness. Well, I think like check in terms of it's helpful to check with all these things in terms of how much, how much power do I feel like I have in this moment of my life? Like if I'm really feeling powerless, that's when we feel rage. That's when we feel stuck. Like I have no, I, I have no agency. Like I, I, I'm just as hopeless. I can't, I can't act, mm. right? So that's something to pay attention to. If we feel like we have a sense of, of power and we're able to choose uh, what we do, 
then it's not a problem. And it's, it's, it's healthy to say, okay, like I'm going to take some time now to actually be with my experience. And it's such a revolutionary thing to do to like take a step back and say, I'm not going to pursue X, Y, Z. You know, right now my priority is, is just this challenge, this heroic journey of, of self-acceptance, which Koben Chino Roshi, a famous uh, Zen teacher said, self-acceptance is the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's, it's there for us. And if we, the, the, the more time we take, towards that i think never hurts if we're doing it yeah. from a place of power right right and it feels like it's honoring the other parts of our life because we do have parts of our life that want to manifest and want to do and want to do things in the world and that's all cool yeah and sometimes we just do think we just say okay like for this period of time maybe a, you know a few weeks or something i'm just going to focus on this and then i'll check at the end of that right like, this is like a helpful thing of impermanence like it's just a phase so i'm going to do this and in two weeks or three weeks, I'm going to see how I'm feeling. And if I want to do more at that point, because I want to, or maybe I want to do something else. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's an important, yeah, one of the things I've landed on is just, you know, maybe my instincts aren't, I'm, I'm always trying to like say, well, it's right to do it this way, or it's wrong to do it this way, or I should. And it's like, well, this vague instinct to maybe, you know, ex- experience this mud of non-identity and, and even with all of its lows is maybe there's something in there. That's a, that's a nice, you know, I have to kind of, you know, again, with this attitude of generosity towards myself, be like, okay, well, hey, I don't have to demonize that instinct. I'm always just demonizing everything that happens. About that's me. right. I, I could just kind of follow it. And yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I don't know, something will emerge out of that. Maybe it'll be a desire to tell jokes again, or maybe it won't. And, and then yeah. I could follow those desires. I, you know, but, but I'm just so obsessed with categorizing it and deciding if it's, well, this is the path or this is good. Uh yeah. And and I guess so, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Um no no, no. I, I just I have to go. I'm really sorry. I'd love to I'd love to continue this at another time. We could set up a, a different time to meet if you want to. Oh, so, we must. This was a great conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Brutal. R. E. G. Leaving me hanging. Abandonment issues fortified. Uh Ari does come back. I specifically made sure he came back uh, because he he dropped so many bombs of wisdom on this episode. Uh, For example, for the sadness to express itself in an environment where it feels heard is in and of itself transformational. Wow. So we get into more of that and a couple other things he said uh, just because I wanted to give it space. He also, in his gentle Ari way, casually called me out for spiritually bypassing, which he was 100% right. Uh, I I have a long history of spiritually bypassing, you know, in terms of intellectualizing uh, these concepts and philosophizing about my pain in a way that helps me avoid my pain. Just this effort to figure it out and to name it and to explain it. Uh, So we talk more about that uh, next week. That's it. Once again, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, regardless of where you're listening. Uh, It helps me out a little bit. And uh, we're done. Goodbye. Be well.